another pot of coffee is brewing. My third cup is almost finished. So that means it's time for another episode of Not Before Coffee. I'm your host, Ray, self-confessed bookworm, TV show marathoner, film addict, hermit, long-term depression sufferer, list maker, quite obviously, and very honest caffeine fiend. This is my fourth episode of the season, and if you've listened to the previous two, you know exactly what that means. It must be time for a review of a season of Lucifer. Luckily, Netflix did not disappoint, and last Friday, the final season, season six, was released across the globe for enjoyment of the fans. Now... I have always established that I am going to be incredibly honest when it comes to my opinion of things, no matter whether they differ from those of other people, and this is going to be no different. So this week, I'm going to be taking a look at the 10 final episodes ever of Lucifer and share my views. I'm going to be as spoiler-free as I can be, given I have watched it all and I know that many fans will have done the same. I do love it, admittedly, when an entire season drops in one single moment, because I can just watch it at my leisure. Before I get into the ins and outs of season six, I am going to do an incredibly brief recap of what happened in the latter part of season 5b. Of course, if you want more detail and my opinions of that, then head over to listen to my last Lucifer episode. I'll put the link down below in the description box. Okay, let's go quickly. God came down to earth, told his sons, Lucifer, Amenadiel and Michael, Lucifer's bitter twin brother, that he was retiring. A massive battle starts to build and in the final episode in a battle between angels and demons, Lucifer is victorious. He is now to be God. There's also this whole thing where he sacrifices himself to bring Chloe back from heaven and this shows him to be the man who deserves to win. But the outcome is the same. Lucifer is the heir to the godly throne. Oh, and Dan died. Is it bad that this was actually an afterthought when I was going through what am I going to say about Lucifer season 5B? He was a big and important character in the show in many ways. But for some reason, that sort of got lost in amongst all the celestial infighting. When season six begins, the battle is long over. Lucifer has been putting off going up to heaven and ascending the throne, though it's not totally clear why. He fought a battle for it. Angels died, sacrificing themselves for him and their beliefs. And now he's dithering. Anyway, for whatever reason, Lucifer is twiddling his thumbs down on earth and keeps on postponing making the important move. Meanwhile, Eve and Maze are very obviously in love, making gooey eyes at each other and generally just acting like people totally infatuated with each other. Of course, Maze has been given Lucifer's vacant throne in hell and, just like her predecessor is postponing taking up residence in heaven, she is also spending all her time on earth and letting the demons run riot in hell. Will that actually cause an overspill or something? So we have a reluctant god and a reluctant ruler of hell, both living on earth while the potential for absolute chaos waits in the wings. 
Then, of course, we have Chloe, who has resigned from her role on the police force as she is planning on being Lucifer's advisor in heaven, her right, his right-hand woman. So now she's sitting around waiting for something to do while Lucifer makes his mind up about his move. Anyway, when we meet up with everyone again, Lucifer and Chloe are at a magic house, apparently celebrating their last true night on Earth because Lucifer is telling everyone he is going to ascend the next day. At least, that's what he's saying. As I started watching this, I was just waiting for a murder or some demon to appear. And sure enough, one of those things did happen. Chloe is in her element, back in the thick of an investigation. And though she is now in the role of a witness rather than the detective in charge, she can't help but stick her nose in because to not do so would be completely out of character for her. Lucifer just wants to continue with their celebration. He wants the investigation over and done with and temptation out of Chloe's way. He wants to go and enjoy his evening with Chloe because, as he keeps on telling her, this is our last night on Earth. I know that I mentioned this last time, but for some reason, that procedural element that I really enjoyed has vanished from the show with solving crime becoming more of a reflection of the personal issues that are encountered in the episode, whether that's Lucifer's problems relating to his father or an internal battle with his role in the familial hierarchy. Anyway, now that Dan has gone, we're introduced to Carol, one of Dan's best friends, a good detective who is awkward, a little quirky, and someone with a few secrets of his own. He also has a thing for Ella and at one point in season five, Dan actually tried to set the two up, but it didn't happen for whatever reason. Over the last few seasons, two characters I have really enjoyed have been Maze and Ella, but for some reason, they both appear to have lost a lot of their spark. Ella's geeky, hyper-energetic focus made her fun and light-hearted, but she's now more serious. And during one episode of season six, her shift from comic relief to a more serious protagonist becomes incredibly clear. It's very difficult to go through the entirety of season six and talk about moments without spoiling stuff. But I am going to stick to the basics and focus on my personal observations of the character and story development rather than give you a rundown of everything that happened during the 10 episodes we were gifted with because I don't think it's fair to spoil. And if you haven't watched it, you're going to A, switch off or B, go, why did I listen to this? And I don't want that reaction. What did season six give us? It gave us time travel, angry children, animation, a mini redemption arc for a criminal from a previous season, attempted patricide, self-fulfilling prophecy, a kidnapping, and a few brief tricksy appearances. I could leave it like that, but I do need to look into the whole Chloe, Lucifer, and angry Rory thing, because that just absolutely bent my mind. Who, you might be asking, is Rory. If you haven't watched Lucifer season six yet and you really want to do so without spoilers, stop listening right now and listen to another episode until you've watched it. Honestly, there are a lot in my back catalogue, over 50, so pick one of them and come back when you've seen the entire season. However, if you know that she is Lucifer and Chloe's daughter who has travelled back from the future in order to kill her father who abandoned her, then 
Keep on listening. Rory, who is played brilliantly by Brianna Hildebrand, who also played teenage negasonic warhead in Deadpool, is incredibly angry. This anger is clearly seen when the half-celestial extends her lethal blood-red wings. They are as sharp as blades. Lucifer tries his best to relate to Rory in his own way, after initially denying there is any way she can possibly be his daughter, but he's got his own issues to work through. He is unable to understand Rory's bitterness at him, despite it mirroring so clearly his own feelings towards his father, but the biggest thing he cannot comprehend is her resentment is based on the fact that he apparently abandoned her and her mother before she was born something he is positive he would never do. There are a few things that really frustrate me about Rory. Some are related to her character. She is very shouty and very resentful and doesn't seem to be too keen to understand what makes Lucifer tick or be at all willing to give him any way to redeem himself. Also, it's a bit weird that she comes into it so late in the series, but I suppose they couldn't do the ending without it, but less of that for now. She has built up her bitterness over many, many years and just won't let it go. Other issues are related to the inconsistencies in accent and acting. Sure, we all know that Lucifer is British, or at least has a very strong British accent, because there's no denying Tom Ellis is British. I love him in Miranda, but we don't need to touch on that. But there is no reason why Rory, who we know was brought up in America by an American mother, would have some kind of odd American-British accent, which definitely comes and goes, especially when she says things like auntie. And even I don't say auntie, and I'm very definitely British. I know it's a really small thing, but when I'm watching something, sometimes these are the elements that I happen to really notice and really sort of niggle. Now that Chloe is no longer on the LAPD, the police cases solved on screen have dramatically dwindled, though we do get a glimpse into a murder when a Menadiel, who, by the way, is now training to be a police officer, and his supervising officer arrive at the scene of a crime, and the detective in charge is someone who, much earlier in the series, I believe in season one, made it very clear that he is blinded by colour and is the first to believe a black man is the criminal, even when evidence may show otherwise. Amenadiel is frustrated with the system. He knows that it's not fair, and the fact that an officer with multiple complaints against him, specifically for racism, was promoted and placed in a position of power is just something he cannot get behind. He goes to Chloe for help and advice, and she starts to look into it. See, she really just cannot stay away. Of course... I can't forget Dan. Dan, despite being a rather good man, <laughs> oh, I created a rhyme without intending, Dan, Dan, a relatively good man. Yeah, okay, so he was somewhat corrupt when we first met him all the way back in season one, but he has come a long way. Anyway, he's now spent thousands of years in hell, even though not that long has passed on earth since his demise. Courtesy of an incredibly convincing Rory, however, he is now back on Earth. She persuaded him that as an angel she could take him from hell to Earth and from there he could be taken to heaven. But of course, it's not that easy and it's proved very quickly that she doesn't know everything. 
And I can't help but wonder at this point if she didn't do this in some part to mess with Lucifer's head and get someone else to hate her father as much as she does. Unfortunately for Dan, once he's on Earth, he's a ghost. He's intangible and this means, according to Lucifer, there is no way to take him from heaven to earth because he's incorporeal. There's nothing for them to hold to help him move. So while season 5B was our last time seeing Dan alive, he is still in the show and still has a part to play, even if only four people can actually see him and properly communicate with him. Maze in Love is weird. Last season, she spent a lot of time finding out who she was, seeking validation and searching for a soul. Now that she has found all of these things, she has Eve. But there is some part of her that is determined to sabotage her own happiness, whether she acknowledges it or not. On the eve of their wedding, there is a surprise visitor in the form of Eve's husband, Adam. I'm really not sure why, but when I think of Adam, I really don't think of some chunky bearded man who looks a little bit like Grizzly Adams, complete with long, unstyled hair. However, I do think of a man who has a bloated opinion of himself. Adam believes that Eve belongs to him and he's given her time to think, but now she has to come back because she is his. Of course, Eve is very reluctant and there is a fantastic scene where he is acting smug and proud when she tells him she's now a black belt. He says, oh, is this one of the, from one of those places where you get belts of all rainbow colours? And then she decks him. The path to a happy ending does come, but it's slow and it's windy and it involves a kidnapping, demons possessing recently deceased human bodies and a very drunk Ella confronting everyone in the wedding party with the fact that she knows Lucifer is the devil and the apocalypse is coming. Something that everybody else happened to have missed. Lucifer as a character is a revelation this season. Sure, he has spent a lot of time proving he is selfish, self-absorbed and has more than a few daddy issues. But in season six, he really comes into his own. I feel as though the writers wanted him to find his redemption, but they also wanted him to find the place where he was meant to be. It's a season of introspection and realisation, multiple episodes where we get glimpses of past cases, past encounters, and the development of Lucifer's relationship with Chloe and everybody else, through his own eyes and the observation of others. Throughout the seasons, we have seen Lucifer change. He puts others first. Well, sometimes. He has built and repaired relationships with people that previously he would have written off or ignored, and he has learned from his sessions with Linda. He has become aware of the man he is and the potential he has, and he knows that he can continue to improve. For all that Lucifer has discovered who he is, his ultimate decision regarding taking up the mantle of God is one that leads to anger, chaos, and one massive mess that could have likely been resolved without a war but then all the introspection and Lucifer's self-realizations would never have occurred. There are a lot of things to take home from this final season I will say. There is a definite increase in strength when it comes to the bonds that have been built. Lucifer is no longer the demon he was when we first saw him driving through LA in his Corvette Stingray. 
He has experienced a lot. He has grown a lot. And his ability to identify with the people he would previously have ignored or destroyed are the people he wants to help. And more than that, he proves that he can actually do it. It is through all of this, all of his experiences, that he realises what his true calling is. Everything has led to this every single moment. His appointments with Linda, meeting Chloe, helping the LAPD, meeting the daughter who believes he abandoned her. Everything turns him into the being that he becomes. The funniest thing that I've noticed, though, with this final season is the amount of time that passes between the first episode and the finale. It's really brief. Yes, we have something resembling an epilogue that gives us an insight into the real endings for all of our favourite characters, but the real timeline is very short. I do have to add this one final thing. That was my summary, but my final thought on this season. Whether it was amazing or not, there is one thing I seriously cannot fault them on, and that is the soundtrack. Every single episode was absolutely on point. Perfect songs for each moment, no matter what was happening on the screen. Just in case you haven't checked the podcatchers in the last week, a brand new episode of The Bookshop, all about Olivia Dade's 2020 novel, spoiler alert, is available for download now. We've come to the question and answer part of the episode. Let me know if there are any questions you would like to hear me answer about the films and shows I watch, or if there's something you'd really love to hear me cover. So, here goes. Did I enjoy it? This is a difficult question to answer, if I'm being completely honest. There were so many moments across the six seasons that I would happily watch over and over again. I'm one of those people who absolutely loved the arrogant, uncaring and self-centred creature that Lucifer was when he first appeared on our screens. I felt that his attitude and acerbic wit were what made the show exciting and interesting. And there was something in the way that he acted around everyone that made him fun. As the seasons have gone on and his character has changed, as it needed to less of the I'm the bad devil and more I want redemption thing. It grew slightly less interesting for me. I'm not saying that his development was a bad thing, but for me it felt as though the last two seasons especially could have been merged into one and less about attempts to make people cry. I'm just going to make a point here and say I didn't cry throughout most of season six, at least not until we got to the view of the future, accompanied by a cover of the Oasis song Champagne Supernova by Scala and Kalakni Brothers. Would I watch more? Sadly, by the time the finale ended, I had stopped caring about the overall story. I watched the entirety of season six across four nights. I was feeling so keen for the season to be released, seriously. I was like, oh, there's only three days left. And I was having conversations with my mum saying, oh, what are your plans for the weekend? Are you going to be watching it all on Friday? And that was my original plan. And then I ended up watching the Avengers movie, but let's not go there. I kept on thinking about how they would handle the repercussions of the last episodes of season five. And I really wanted to see how they would carry over what had happened to make it work without making Lucifer so out of character that it became jarring. Did we get that? Well, yeah, in many ways we did. 
But we also got moments that felt incredibly out of place, moments that felt like filler and a definite sign, we're pandering to the fans here, moment or six. I know, this was the farewell, the last hurrah, but at the same time, it also felt just a little bit predictable. All of that said, it was a suitable ending to a show that had a battle to survive. We get to see what happens to the characters, and in a strange way, things sort of come full circle. Lucifer was, in reality, a six-season, 93-episode redemption arc. So, how are things in the coffee household this week? We're in week two of season three, and yesterday, if you're listening to this on Thursday, I celebrated one entire year of Not Before Coffee. I can't believe it though, really. One whole year. Time just flies. Last week, a lot happened, and I had a lot to share. But this week has been strangely quiet in comparison, and that's probably not a bad thing. That's not to say that the week has been without its tears or that I haven't had a few days where I've been so drained and mentally exhausted that bedtime has been 8pm and I've been asleep very soon after. Just last Saturday, I left the safety of my flat. I do have outside space, so I'm not completely without fresh air. Let's just get that out of the way. I had to go and pick up a large bag from the chemist containing my prescriptions for the month. Normally, I time it incredibly well. In fact, I've got really good at timing it well. And not only is the chemist empty, but the walk there is also incredibly quiet. Unfortunately, this was not the case last Saturday. For some reason, it seemed as though everyone and their great aunts were out. I felt uncomfortable and anxious, and by the time I reached the chemist, which is just over five minutes away on foot, I was hyperventilating, And I have to say that is not a flattering look on me at all. Anxiety is a really weird thing. It hits at the most inconvenient and inopportune moments. So to say that fighting back nausea as I walked to the chemist was me showing a weakness that I really hate having is not something I ever like to admit. I was under the stupid impression that the chemist might somehow be different Perhaps a bit quieter when I got there, but I was oh so very wrong. I walked through the doors and I almost so close stepped back out again when I saw that for the first time in over 19 months, it was packed. There were people everywhere standing in line at the pharmacist's window, standing in a queue to pay for shampoo and lingering, studying stuff on shelves elsewhere. It was horrible. Being alone during lockdown was hard, but I have to admit that for someone with social anxiety, a limit on the number of people in a small space like my local shops was actually a huge relief. On a different note, next week is my last week with my current company. I have been asked to go in for one last time, and though I kind of understand why they asked, or rather told me, that this is the way it has to be. I am admittedly a little frustrated that I am going to have to make my way to the office one last time on my last day working for the company. All I can hope is that there is no farewell event or fuss of any kind because it makes me seriously uncomfortable. 
but also I just want to survive the entire day without the stress that always comes with people saying nice things to me. Yes, people being nice to me like that brings out my anxiety because I'm always worried that they're saying it because they want something. It's inexplicable really, but it remains the truth and I know that I can't be the only person that feels that way. Seasons bring with them change and season three is no different. It's nothing bad, I promise. I am still going to be giving you two episodes a week. The bookshop is not closing for business. I'm actually finding a refreshing love of reading and searching out new and different books because of it. In season two, I talked about TV and a number of great TV shows, but I felt that they weren't given the attention they truly deserved. All that means is that in season three, Thursday episodes are going to look a little bit different. Three out of four Thursdays, I will be talking film, the history, trivia and story of movies across multiple genres. And then on the fourth Thursday, I will be talking about a TV show that I've been watching over the month. Sometimes it will be a season. Other times it could be more. I already have October's TV show in draft, all ready to flesh out for your listening pleasure. Yes, that means that next week I'm going to be talking about a film. So that's it for this episode. I hope you enjoyed the listen and I'll be back next week with more. Don't forget, the bookshop will be open again on Monday with a brand new episode. And I really hope you'll like what I have to say about my next book, which I've still yet to decide on. If you like what you hear, why not share it with your friends and family and please post a review or give me a star rating over on Podchaser. You can follow me on Twitter at need underscore three underscore mugs or on Instagram at not before coffee podcast. Well, I need another cup of coffee as I definitely have not had enough today. So I'm going to go and put the kettle on. Until next time, this is me saying farewell. <laughs>